With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good evening, guys. I think you got a brief view of our faces before the intro went live. Did they get that? Yeah. Yeah, first time I've ever done that, to be honest with you. Um, very amateurish of me, but I was being handed a cup of tea over at the same time, so it would have been better um, <laughs> to see our faces than that. Um, as Kingsman says, good evening, guys. Um, hope you're doing very well. Welcome to uh, Champions League post-match carnage. We thought we thought we get accused of Chelsea slander on this channel. So we thought it's only fair that we big them up, we speak about them. As they go progress through to the quarterfinals, as that amazingly made banner across the bottom of your screen, you can see. Took me ages to make that banner. I didn't need no one's help. Uh, Chelsea through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Graham Potter and... Uh, more time, extra time. Suddenly there was pressure on him in the Leeds game. We were told the Leeds game and the Dortmund game would be pivotal for his career. Let us know what you think now. Two comfortable enough victories later. Is he safe? Is, it, is he okay now for time being? Until the end of the season? How far can they go? All of these questions will be looked at, asked and answered, hopefully. Benfica, as you can see in the background, Mr. Bilal has the, what's it called? 
What's the stadium? Stadio de Luz. Stadio de Luz. I don't know what it is in. Is that now the Stadium of Light was the old stadium, right? They moved, Ooh, no? Or is that the original actually. stadium? What a good question. What a good question. Can someone find that out, please? If it's still called the Stadium of Light, because that is a legendary, iconic stadium, if that's the case. Beauty, that stadium, Bilal. We want to ask the question to the panel. Are Benfica dark horses? We'll look through some of their team. A couple of players that are liked for liked by mass, uh, massive clubs. We'll get into that as well. Joining me to discuss this and the huge, two huge, Estadio de Luz means Stadium of Light. There you go. Yeah. Thank you very much, Pedro. And uh, Holmes as well. Tomorrow what we... Were you, dis- what were you in school, Bilal, when they uh, taught Portuguese, Bilal? You can even... That was not even an option. That was like, <laughs> we had French, we had German, we had Spanish, we had Italian. And yet, Portuguese, we can't speak any. Portuguese was not an option. My school even did Russian at one stage. Yeah, my school did Russian. not elite, man. Yeah. All right, well, let me just tell you, in my time, there was French. <laughs> same, yeah, yeah, French here, is a bog standard here, in England. Same yeah. here, French, it was French. Uh, and yeah, German you know I mean? is... So so, but French was French and yeah. No, actually, I lie. It was German. Sorry, French and German was the options. Um, but yeah, as as you probably can tell, I, I didn't pick either. Uh, Dortmund are such a pathetic club, just like Spurs. We will get into it. As you guys know, I'm not a fan of Dortmund. I said they're going to be such an easy walkover. They didn't really put up a fight. We'll get into it. Mo and Bilal might think otherwise. Omar thinks Chelsea were lucky with a couple of decisions. We'll get into all of that. We'll get into all of that. Let's get the super chat out of the way first. AG says, I really respect the LFC fan channels. Listen to Mandem talk. Why are they so bad? My blood is boiling. Want to listen tomorrow. Listen, we're not here to speak bad on any other channel. We just appreciate that you like our channel. Uh, So that's what I'm concerned with. Thank you very much. Um, If I wasn't on my own channel and these guys were let loose, they'd be just as bad. Trust me. It's me that keeps these, (laughs) these, these guys in check. You should hear the WhatsApp nonsense they chat about from morning to day. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to lie to you. I, I've run out of 7-Up. I've run out of 7-Up. Every stream, the people ask me to bring up 7-Up in the props, and I've run out of 7-Up, man. Unless somebody wants to send me a case of 7-Up. Yeah, I'm done with 7-Up. I don't even drink fizzy drinks. Um, let's get into the games of today. Benfica go to the quarterfinal of the Champions League. Has anybody got the Benfica lineups for us so we can tuck in? I'll come to you first, Omar. You look through this Benfica team and we always look for the next Darwin Nunes, the neck Enzo uh, Fernandez. They've got some players and they've got some old-timers as well in, in João Mario, who's still going strong. But this was always going to be a walkover, right? And poor Mignolet held five. Yeah, Minule and Scott Parker, man. Oh, of Scott course. Parker is not having the best. Is not having the best time in uh, in in Belgium, but um, yeah, I think I think this this game was one of the biggest certainties when when a draw happened because we we know about Benfica's quality, and look, they're well versed in European competition. Bruges, they were they were probably happy to get out of the groups. Let's be real. Mm. Um, and look, man, Ramos, balling out. Gunman up front, uh, Rafa Silva. This is the guy, sort of the sort of talisman in the team, carrying the team, lightning quick. Um, and then yeah, the old heads, Jao Mario, Otamendi, still there doing a job. Otamendi, my god! I mean, look, yeah. the problem with Otamendi is right. It's it's weird, isn't it? Like 
he's been so criticised everywhere he's gone pretty much. Even for the Argentinian national team, even though he plays a lot of games, he still gets criticised. But at the end of the day, he's a World Cup winner. He's a Premier League winner with Man City. And now he's gone to Benfica and he's the Champions League quarter-finalist. I mean, where does it end with this guy? How does it end with this guy? What do you think about him? You, you know, with... Um... You know, with um, Otamendi, it reminds me of a bit how you know how certain defenders, when it comes to a cup run, they're just they're just different. Like you, you wouldn't be able to trust them in a league season. Mm. Like someone like Lovren, right? You you put him in a team that's on form in a cup mm. run, and mm. they start to look good. It gives me that sort of vibe, and like he'll do a job for you. Like he'll have his odd moments, but fair play. Like he's he's been around for a while. It's probably time to start giving him a bit of credit. Or the amount of stick he's got. He's um, he's doing the job, mate, at, at the end of the day. And Ramos, Bilal, we saw glimpses of him in the World Cup. Well, very, very small glimpses of him. But it was enough to start people waxing lyrical about him. He scored the hat-trick, didn't he, of the World Cup. Was it the only hat-trick? Oh, no, of course. It was big the first hat-trick of the no, Mbappé. Big, yeah, yeah, big yeah. boy, big boy Mbappé in the final. But Ramos caught... Caught the early rounds in the in the in the qualifying stages for the latter stages of the World Cup. Um, surely he's probably the next guy who gets a move out of there. Definitely, like yeah, one hundred percent. This guy I'm watching him play. If anyone hasn't seen that second goal, I recommend you go check it out because he's given me like honestly. I looked at that goal and I look at the way he moves, his dribbling. It's not amazing, but it reminds me a bit of Luis Suarez and that. I don't know whoa, if much whoa, too much whoa. praise. Yeah, I know. I know. But he's just giving me those little glimpses and little feelings like, oh, he's a serious, serious player. And that finish he took today was great. But Rafa Silva in that number 10, he was just everywhere. He was unbelievable for Benfica tonight. And even Otamendi, I know we were saying, yes, he's been having a, a good time of it. There was one moment, I believe after 1-0, where I thought he might have given away a penalty. It was very borderline. They gave a free kick in the end anyway. But apart from that, Benfica didn't have much to do. And yeah, they're playing some really good football. Gonzalo Ramos, Rafa Silva, Jao Mario. They had about two goals disallowed by VAR. They had one. Mm. Yeah, the Nerez goal was offside and given in the end. So yeah, everything was just flowing. And you know what was... It's kind of funny sometimes when you're listening to English commentary and I've Go got Matt Commanderman and they're just begging for Scott Parker to keep his job. They're like, Club Brugger, yeah. please don't sack him. Like I know he's their boy in it, but it's one of those ones where, come on, man, give it a rest. They're doing terribly in the league as well. From what I can see, they're fourth, they're losing. They lost 3-0 to some, I don't even want to try to pronounce the name of the team they lost to. It's one of those ones. Like Club Brugger, struggling in the league, struggling in the Champions League and Benfica, going from strength to strength. They're so fluid. They're so fun to watch. They know what they're doing. And a team like that can definitely cause problems for any team in the Champions League. So let's see who they draw next, whether it's a Chelsea. I'd love to see Benfica versus Chelsea. I think that would be a really good tie. Enzo Fernandez, all of that drama as well, oh, little side yeah. stories. That would be even nice to it. But yeah, big up Benfica. And let's see how far they can go because they're a big club and it's nice to see clubs from outside the top five leagues, right? Do Heritage. something, yeah, do something in the Champions League. Um, obviously, we've got uh, loads of Chelsea fans in the chat today, obviously. Uh, we've got Hey Nomadic channel member. She says, Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. What an amazing, beautifully worded song. Well, that, man. Yeah, that's one of the best songs ever. Um, 
brother Grizz, I'm so happy right now. I'm happy for you as well, bro. I'm happy for you as well, guys. Well, not happy for you. I'm happy for Potter. Mo, I'm we're going to get into the Chelsea chat, but there was a couple of players that I wanted to talk about and hopefully you know about because I definitely know about them. And if none of you lot want to speak on them, I'll speak on them. There's a centre-back with 66 on his back, which is Trent Alexander-Arnold's number. Uh, Antonio Silva, probably one of the most sought-after young centre-backs. Benfica have got great history. Uh, we know Diaz came from there, um, uh, the Man City centre-back. We know... David Luiz. David Luiz. Yeah, the, the man, the man, the myth, the, man, the legend himself. They've got a good history of creating great centre-backs. I believe this is the next great centre-back that is going to come from Benfica. Uh, do you know much about him? Mo? I don't watch him enough. I watched some of the like, couple of games, the big games. He looks like a really solid guy on the ball as well, which is something that people in the Premier League these days, they like to shop for. They want to shop not only for a centre-back, they can stop the ball. Like the likes of Utamendi's back in the days, you know, like these, these hard fighting centre-backs are not the ones that people are looking after now. They're looking after the Gavardios, this guy Silva, the people that can play football on the ground and can lead the team in the back. And this guy looks like the, he's the guy for people. 19 years old, absolutely brilliant from the back. And um, yes, the Portuguese league is not the strongest, but we have seen some of the really good centre-backs in the history coming from the Portuguese league. So yeah, he's going to be on the market for sure for big money. And we also know that because he's on the market and he's playing for Benfica, we know this. We know how it works with Benfica. They get these gems, build them up, and then obviously the big money comes in and they have to move on. Um, Liverpool are looking at him. Ohms, this guy suits everything that I like in a centre-back anyway. And as I've said before, uh, my mind's gone blank, but there was another centre-back that used to play alongside Diaz for Benfica a few years ago in the same team. Um, uh, but anyway, it'll probably come to me. Someone chat to me and help me out here. Uh, but this guy fits the profile. Young, tall, ball-progressive centre-back. Plays on the right side of the centre-backs. Um, if we want to replace either Joel Matip or Joe Gomez, this would be one of my leading candidates. I wouldn't say he's the outstanding candidate. He would be my leading candidate. I think, I think a I think a bid in the region of around 30 to 40 million would prize him away. Louis Zhao was at Benfica. Ferrell, 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 Ferrell. I wonder where he is now, lads. If someone could find out for me. Ferrell, wonderful yeah. centre-back as well, alongside Diaz. But sorry, this silver, I reckon around 30, 40 million pound, possibly. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm getting a bit ahead of myself and Benfica may rate him highly. I don't know how much he's on transfer market, but he's one of the guys I'd like. Know much about him, Ohms? Uh, similar to Mola, I've seen him in the seen him in like the big games and stuff. But yeah, similarly impressed. And I think he like ah oh, shame. He, yeah, injuries for Yeah, I think he's in Croatia or something. It's Croatia, yeah. I can see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, Silva. If we are looking at him, I would not be mad at him sort of coming in. I think it's a sort of profile. Liverpool need to look at in terms of like a fourth choice centre back or third choice maybe sort of have him in as a fourth choice and maybe if he starts playing well why not why can't it be the choice in after Van Dijk and Canate so uh, 30-40 million is sort of the, uh, the the price range we do business in 30-40 so, you think 
I think he'd cost over 50 million because the way I'm looking at him play, he's really good at the way he reads the game. His passing, as the Eunice has said here, is really good. And he's so young. Was he 19? From what we can see here, let me just yeah, 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 something like he's that. only okay. 19 years old. Jose, Jose Salmon being a FICA fan, and I would say one of the most underrated players is there. Arsunes, he's unbelievable. Good. Sorry, that's not the one I was looking for. Sorry. He says, nah, no chance he'll live for 30, 40 minutes. He will be double that. I don't really? think he'll be double that. Benfica will ask that. Um, but yeah. Benfica work. 50-55 probably gets it done, I would say. So if yeah. they win the league and they go to the semi-final, he won't leave for less than 70. Put in mind that Diaz left for 50. So Which it Diaz? depends. Uh, 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 Ruben. Ruben Diaz, yeah. But Ruben Diaz yeah. was far more established at that age. Uh, at that stage, sorry. And Ruben Diaz was bought by Man City who paid the asking price without eyes closed. I can imagine Benfica asking for 60-70. I think they deal at 50 million. Yeah. Uh, because you never know with young centre-backs like that Ferro yeah. I'm talking about. You can get an injury and suddenly you've lost the value. Ferro yeah. was destined to be better than Diaz at a young age, same age. You know, two fantastic centre-backs. Um there's an also, uh, they have a midfielder uh, and uh, Florentino Luis. Where's that lineup again? Back up. Um, again, Florentino Luis, 23, the perfect age, Bilal. Um, I can confirm Liverpool are interested in this guy as well. Before people got mad, interest is, is interest. I haven't said Liverpool are signing every fucking midfielder in the world, but we're looking for young, athletic, progressive midfielders, especially ones that can do the type of job this guy does. Magnificent presser, energy for days and weeks. Know much about him, same question. He's been key, key to Florent, uh, Benfica and everything they do. Yeah, with uh, Louise, he's one of those players where I think they've even nicknamed him the octopus as well. That was a similar that nickname that, okay. that Thomas Party had at Atletico Madrid. And when you're called the octopus, that means that you're a serious defensive midfielder, that your positioning is good, that you're winning your tackles, that you're getting the interceptions. And if you look at all the stats in general, I think in the Champions League and in, in the Portuguese League as well, Florentino per, uh, Luiz is either near the top or is the top guy, right? So he's clearing nearly every stat right now. And him and Enzo, when Enzo was there, that connection they had was really, really good. So he's definitely a player who's been talked about for years. And at only 23 years old, listen, the sky's the limit, especially in that kind of position where mm. it's more about experience. At a certain age, you can have the ability, you know, to, to read the game and all of that. But all of that really comes in 24, 25, 26, 27. So if you're getting him now at 23, he's just about to enter his prime in the next two, three years. So it's a great time to try and sign him if you're a Liverpool looking for that sort of player. If you're even a or Man even City, a Man United, Man United are probably looking for that kind of player. Man City are looking yeah. for that. Arsenal are uh, looking for that kind of player. For example, everyone's looking at Casado from Brighton. We're looking at 75 million. I don't think this guy will take 75 million. They will ask 75 million for him because mm. this is Benfica you're messing with here. But again, I think something in the region of 50 million could prize him. I think he would yeah. be perfect for the Premier League. If that's his nickname, self-explanatory right yeah and i can see in the comments here as well everyone's talking about ugarte so i'm disappointed because i was looking forward to seeing him against arsenal i know he's suspended now for the game was that arsenal confirmed Thursday. 
Yeah, it's confirmed now. So oh, hopefully second lucky leg, sods. we get to you see it. Lucky, lucky sods. They're uh, always lucky, Chris. So. They're always lucky. They unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, people, we're going to get into the Chelsea chat. A lot of impatient Chelsea fans. We're going to get into the Chelsea chat right now, in fact. Um, while someone gets the lineups, I'm just going to go through the super chats. Shane McGee sends in a generous super chat. He says, Enzo ain't worth the price. Chelsea still aren't convincing. And Dortmund gave the ball away so easily. Jude will hopefully look better in red next year for LFC. Uh, Ohms, I'm not going to judge Enzo. I'm not going to be uh, I'm not going to be one of these, you know, guys that just judges him just because he's in a scrambled, scrambled club overall. No way, no way you judge a player this early and in a situation like this. Yeah, like the two names in there, Enzo and Jude, like if anyone's sort of judging them off that game or over the two legs, whatever, like, have your head wobbled a bit because like they're Enzo the the sort of responsibility he's been given in that Chelsea team straight away needs like Potter's put him under pressure a bit and just said like right you're gonna be our anchor man in that in that sort of team. So um yeah I, I think Enzo will come good. Uh probably from next season we'll start to see him sort of take control of that midfield. And then again with Jude like watching the game today Jude was being asked to do a lot of sort of ball carrying and sort of dictating from deep. No, no, everything. He was, yeah, I mean, they were asking him to play literally two, three positions. And there's only well, so much one 19-year-old can do. Do you know what I mean? So, look, if you if you sort of fit in Jude into a system that works uh, for him, he's going to look an absolute beast. So, uh, let's, let's not talk too soon. Um, let's see. Let's see any sort of confirmation that happens with his sort of transfer. But yeah, I think if you slot him into a system where he just sort of slides in instead of having to sort of be the system, we're going to see an absolutely unbelievable football player. 100%. DJ says, big up the panel. Mo, you spend more than Porto and have a much better squad. Is he into Milan? He's talking about, yeah? You must yeah, have he's no coming excuses for me deflections or deflections bro. No amount of excuses or deflections or agendas will save you. Because I have an agenda against Chelsea. Okay, that's because what of the, that's what the money is coming to. But yeah, we'll talk about that Chelsea and the Inter. Listen, we have no excuse to beat Porto. If we don't beat Porto, I said sack the coach. It's as simple as that. What's the score we're, at halftime? One nil. We 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 should have been more, but we won one nil at home. It's gonna be. Uh, that's next week, right? Yeah, but they have their best player is missing. Otavio got a record, so he should be in the last five, seven minutes. So he they are not playing without they're playing without him. So, but anyway, Chelsea today, Chelsea is not finished. Big. <laughs> yeah, Meri Merihuahi says Chelsea is not finished. Big seven up, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for the super chat. Chelsea is not finished. Chelsea is not finished, people. We come to the Chelsea versus Dortmund game. So much hype with with these guys about Dortmund. This and Dortmund. And remember, guys in the chat were coming for me. Where's that guy that was coming for me in the chat? It's amazing when they go missing, don't, isn't it? It's amazing. He was spamming the chat about Grizz, the disrespect shown to my club. We're 10 wins out of 10. We're Dortmund. You don't watch us. You don't know about my club. Please tell me how easy, relatively easy it was for Chelsea. Whoever wants to come first. Bilal, you go first. How easy, relatively... I know Dortmund, you're one of your team's... Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You've got bare love for Dortmund. 
you was one of these hipsters at the start of the season. What's what naming Dortmund as your dark horses? Look at his back. He's got Benfica background. Of course, he's a hipster. Deep yeah, he's mad. Hipster. No, Benfica's come on. I'm an Arsenal fan. Benfica kind of looks like Arsenal. The stadium looks very similar. Okay. Every, so I I've got to respect them. You know what I mean? But look, Go okay. If, if if people want to talk about injuries, right? Hold on, I've got um like if people want to talk about injuries, how many injuries have Chelsea got missing? Chelsea have got so many uh, players missing, they've got their captain missing. Chelsea, no, you can compare. Oh, it's not fair. Go on then. They can't, they, can't even, been... they can't even register some of their players from January because they bought so many <laughs> Can you players. imagine? Dortmund don't have even this luxury, man. Okay, it's not, not it is. I don't know. But, but it is what it is. Bilal, it is what yeah. it is. The game is the game. It is what it is. Chelsea have their biggest and best centre-back injured. The leader of this team is injured. And there is, don't tell me the goalkeeper. They didn't lose today. Did, you want to tell me today that they lost because of the goalkeeper? The goalkeeper saved two one-on-ones. Yeah, no. Did you know they not? No, we'll, no. Get back to, reason... we'll get back to the team very quickly. Everyone just smash the like right now. And then we'll argue and fight over Chelsea and how good they are or how bad they are or how mediocre they are. So please, everyone, stop right now. We'll talk about Chelsea. We'll talk about so much. To, we've got so much to talk about. But give us the motivation to talk by smashing a like button. Please. Bilal, your thoughts then in that case? Because your look and your makes me think you had a soft spot for Dortmund. Yeah, no, of course. I wanted them to go through, especially against Chelsea, because mm. as much as we're clowning Chelsea, it wouldn't surprise me if these guys go semi-finals and you never know what could happen if they can get to a semi-final in the Champions League. So, yeah, for me, from that point of view, obviously I wanted Dortmund to do well, but also I wanted them to do well because obviously you want these different stories in the Champions League anyway. But yeah, really and truly, I think the only thing that worked out for Dortmund today was the offside trap that they were playing. That was the only positive. Like That was the only thing keeping them, or only thing that was really working for them. Up front, they were so, so toothless. Sebastian Haller, and to be honest, right, I can't really be getting on to someone like him who's gone through so much you know, pers- in his personal life with what he's had to go through. So he, he's not been great for Dortmund over the last few games as well. He wasn't great today. Again, not really offering much. And obviously, when Julian Brandt, who's been the best player over the last few games as well, gets injured straight away, it's not a good sign. Even Jude Bellingham, as much as people are getting onto him, I'm pretty sure his leg was strapped up. He didn't look fully, you know, at the races as well. Emre Chan, there was a lot of pressure on him to play in that centre-back, well, between the two centre-backs and that three at the back, having to sweep, having to cover, having to do everything, right? So there's so much pressure. And the goals in that Dortmund team didn't seem like they were ever going to come. I felt like they could have played for for five days. I don't think anyone would have fancied Dortmund to score a goal. And it's that that was the main issue. And yes, Cobble was out. We know he was out. But Maya wasn't, as Mo said, he wasn't the reason they, they lost the game today. The real reason they lost the game today was that defensively, yes, they could have got at, got at, but really and truly up front was just toothless and they could never really get in control of the game. After the first 10-15 minutes when Chelsea really came at them, they had a little bit of a spell where they started passing the ball really well. Giorena was getting on the ball. It looked like something could happen. But even then, there was no cutting edge. And that was the thing that killed Dortmund today. There was just there was just nothing. There was no chance of them scoring. I think the best chance really was that Royce free kick. And I think that just sums it up. Um, I missed one in front of the goal, but yeah. Yeah, Bellingham up, as well, yeah. yeah. Holmes, I want you up, to yeah. I want you to come and speak on the Chelsea uh, t- lineup and the ch- the Chelsea setup. Obviously, Potter's under huge pressure. He finally, or I think, he looks like he's reverting to this three four three type formation. Pretty much what he played at, pretty much what he ended up playing at Brighton. Like that was his yeah. end formation, I believe. Um, does it suit their profile? 
of player. Yeah, I, when think, I, I, I think it does when you look at the fullbacks. Yeah. If Rich James is fully fit and Chilwell's fully yeah. fit, otherwise it doesn't. If you look at Chelsea over the last three, four years, at their best, it is having James and Chilwell at right back, a uh, right wing back, and Chilwell at left wing back, or AF attacking fullback, whatever people want to call it, right? Um, and the sort of profiles, the the fluid front three, they haven't really got a proper number nine. It reminds me a bit of how we used to sort of operate when we had like Coutinho, Firmino and Mane when like they just all sort of like interlink and just sort of and for Chelsea now you're hoping that this is just a settled team you maybe make one or two changes here or there but what they need is just a run of consistency because they have had injuries like Rhys James has been in and out Chilwell we know his injury problems now what they need is just guys a bit how we, how we saw with Liverpool like that front three on Sunday just had a few games and the, the chemistry is starting to flow. What uh, Potter's starting to wave his wand and and the spells are starting to work, right? Okay. And and, and you're feeling, seeing it here. Yeah? Are you seeing it? I I'm seeing signs. Mm-hmm. There's a long way to go, mm-hmm. but Chelsea, if we if we cut to the chase, they are a miles better team when they have Reese James down one side and Ben Chilwell down the other. And it just, it's so obvious because they're, they're two quality players in those positions and it just suits them. So I feel like Potter, don't tinker, just stick to something, get a bit of momentum, keep a few clean sheets, 1-0, 2-0, maybe have another 1-0, 2-0, then you can go to the 3-4-0s, but they now need to build. This could be a good result. This could be a positive sort of turning point result, but they have to follow it up. Um... And if I was if I was if I was him, if all these players are fit, you play this exact same team on the weekend because that's the only way you're going to sort of build. Good point. Good point. Um, I'm going to come to a super chat. I'm going to come to you, Mo, and I'll speak about a player. Uh, community man, call me Giorgio, just to make it easy for yourself. No, I want to learn how to say your name, Merhiwahi. Please let me know. Right. No, no, I didn't put it. Merhiwahi. Sorry, did I say Meriwahi? Oh my God, I'm a dickhead. <laughs> I'm going to get it right. Yeah, then yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. Sorry, I don't know. Meriwahi Giorgio. Meriwahi. Meriwahi Giorgio. We like to say things properly. I'm so sorry. I did butcher it a second. Like, Bilal, man. Allow laughing and he should have corrected me instead. Uh, I'm sorry. But, yeah, I'm sorry. but you know what I mean? <laughs> but I want to speak about Kai Havertz before we get into the penalties and what it was. and all. I thought his overall performance... I'm going to shock you guys, maybe get you guys angry. Maybe you guys don't agree with me or whatever. Maybe you will. I really think Kai Havertz was not brilliant. That's exaggerating. I thought Kai Havertz showed immense mental strength, immense sort of strength of character to keep going. I thought his overall game is improving. He's been on the end of so much abuse, including Chelsea fans, the media, everything. But I think he's getting better and better. I like Kai Havertz. Maybe I'm coming. Maybe I'm speaking on him from that foundation base because I already rated him. He's gone through such a rough patch. He's still young. I think he's going to come good. What about you, Mo? 
So Kai Havertz is, is, is that, that player that, like Gabriel Jesus, uh, uh, the player that likes to drop deep and get on the ball and make the wingers work harder for him. He's not the guy that is going to be in the 18 score. Today, he actually allowed Raheem Sterling a lot of space by him yeah. dragging the two center backs out of their position. And uh, today, to be honest, Grand Potter finally played to the strength of his players. Finally allowed the players to play with the way they want to play. Raheem Sterling doesn't want to track back. Raheem Sterling want to be the highest guy on the pitch. I don't like Raheem Sterling as a football player, to be honest. But today, he, his movement was okay. I don't like his... his I think his touch is not a world-class at all. He's not that top player. And today, he's lucky to get that goal. Yes, the finish is okay. However, his movement, <laughs> because he was coached under Pep and also at Liverpool, his movement is top-notch. He knows where to be. What, what to do in these circumstances, in these situations. And Kai Havertz, him being a false nine is his best position. He played that at Leverkusen. Correct me if I'm wrong, someone who watches uh, Bundesliga, he played a false nine at Leverkusen. Played a lot of positions, yeah. He was even... But he was... He was, a, yeah, he was a false nine for maybe yeah. Inter played Leverkusen and he was false mm. nine in both games. He was pretty much... i tell you what he was, guys. He was pretty much like what Bobby Firmino was at Hoffenheim when we yes. bought him. Mm. And therefore... <laughs> Not they copied us, but obviously they've seen the success of that and they've tried to convert him. Or different coaches have tried to convert him. It's not only Potter, actually. A lot of coaches have tried to convert him into this. Where does he play for Germany? I believe he plays in a similar yeah, position for as well. Germany as well. Yeah, so there is obviously attributes that coaches like about him. I love his intelligence. I love his fight. Mm -hmm. I think He's a confidence player, you can tell. But I think, I think confidence players can always... Like... I don't know what I mean by this, but if you're a confidence player, as long as you've got the, as long as you've got great technique and movement, the confidence can come and go, but usually it can come good with maturity. And the more you go through the hard times, if you know what I mean, and he's gone through plenty of hard times. Yeah, but I think uh, one of the to add to this, Grace, I think that there's a lot of pressure that was put on him by Graham Potter himself. Yeah, you are putting him as a number nine in Stamford Bridge, asking him to score goals. It's not his job. And every yeah. chance he missed over the past months, it's more pressure from the fans, from, from the press. And now you're not. So now he's playing with freedom and people around him are maybe getting involved more on scoring. The pressure is off him and he's playing with freedom. I, I think it was Graham Potter's and Thomas Tuchel's fault because they put more pressure on the kid. I, 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 I think Havertz, if you want to say something on Havertz, Bill, I'll go ahead. Um, but I want to go back to the Sterling chat as well in a minute. But go on, uh, Havertz. I, yeah, I, no, just quickly said, on him. Yeah, quickly on Havertz. He's he is a technically very good player. He can definitely play this false nine. That's why every manager keeps using him, despite all mm. the strikers, all the forwards. I thought Felix, when he came in, was going to end up playing in that number yeah. nine false nine position, but he's gone out on the wing. With Kai Havertz, to be honest, right, I don't really um, think he'll do badly when it's a European game against a Dortmund or even most European teams on the continent. I think in the Premier League, I don't see how he ever makes it as a as a forward. You know, in terms of that false nine, whatever he's playing. I think in the Premier League, it's too much. It's too physical. It's week to week. I don't think he can do it. And I think we've seen that over the past, however long he's been at Chelsea. But in the European games, he's always been able to just perform a bit better because the game is different. It's not the same as your rough and tumble of the, you know, the Premier League. So I think maybe a move away, honestly, this summer. If he can go to the Bundesliga, go to maybe Bayern, they're always interested in him. If he can go to a... A La Liga side, I don't know maybe what La Liga side will be interested in him, but if he can find a way a move away from Chelsea in the summer, 
that's probably the best thing for him and just to move away from the Premier League and then he can end up becoming the player we all think he should be. Sorry, Chris, can I, can I just... Um, the one difference between Havertz in Germany and here is at Leverkusen, he used to play a lot receiving the ball, looking sort of towards goal. Whereas at Chelsea, he's been asked to play with his back to goal a lot more, which like the difference between them two is so hard. He was he was essentially able to roam a bit more at, at, at Leverkusen. So I think he's still sort of adapting to try and find how he can get involved in the link-up play and then follow through and become someone who can chip in with 15, 20, 25 goals. And it, it, for someone who's so young, who's had managers chopping and changing, hasn't really had a, had, had a, had a, uh, what's the word? Stable? Settle, settle, set, stable, settled, yeah. Stable, yeah. Manage, stable management. Yeah. It, it is tough. And we have to sort of take those sort of factors into it because I think at Leverkusen, he sort of had people, one, running off him. He'd have someone in front of him where he could then play off. It's a bit like how Jao Felix was um, at Benfica for, for a while. So I think if you can get someone like Havertz to sort of adapt and, and feel more comfortable playing with his back to goal, you're going to see a really, really good player. But like Bilal said, it's the physicality. There's some players who, who aren't actually that physical who can deal with it by literally being a bit too nippy and sort of riding contact. But I don't think he's that player. So my biggest concern with him is, can he handle that sort of back-to-goal physicality you get from your Burnleys and whatever? Um, yeah. Obviously, we, uh, we always try to highlight the channel member comments. Uh, Havertz, uh, Havertz turns up in big games and you need to play like him. Remind me... Which big games he's turned up in? Champions like League so, final. Like so many. I know that's all the. That's the only one that comes to mind. Like how many big games has he not turned up in? You'd find the ratio is massively in favor of not turning up. But hey, you know this. And look, this is where they get carried away. Still yet to add Kante to this super team. And then super she team, wonders you, why you we you shot get shop over... against Dortmund at your stadium from minute fifteen. So... Yeah, Grizz, try not to be salty about Chelsea. I've just praised you guys and said you're looking dangerous. Praised your manager, praised your formation, praised Enzo, Chris, praised Evans. But to be honest, today, <laughs> Grand Porter got the tactics correct. He did Let's just mm. say it is like they yeah. actually went and played on Zula the whole game, putting the speed on him all game. And I think Grand Porter today. Finally, he got it right. And actually, today, the, th the two in front of the defense, Kovacic and Enzo Fernandez, none of them was asked to defend very deep. And that's why you play three in the back, because none of them is actually a defensive midfielder, a pure Rodri, Fabinho, Casemiro. They're not one of these guys. Like, even at Benfica, Enzo Fernandez was not the last one in the no, midfield. It was quiz. That's why they looked good today with three in the back. One of the guys that actually played well today is Koulibaly. He yeah. actually was so good today in the heart of that defense. And if this guy can keep it up, I think that will add a lot to them. I think he was good. I think his distribution is underrated. Uh, people don't often associate Koulibaly with being good on the ball and he's breaking the line passing. Kukurela, mm -hmm. I'm still not sure about. And Fofana is obviously young and still learning a new club, injury prone. Uh, but I like this formation, guys. 
I do like this formation. Silva and uh, not Silva, Felix and Sterling behind Havertz. Finally, they're not wingers. They like to be free and give them movement to play around with with the striker. And the width has to come from Reese and Chilwell. But the problem for Chelsea is if one of them is missing, then they have literally got no one else. They tried to put Loftus Cheek out there. I suppose Cucurella could play in the in the mm -hmm. Chilwell position. It's not the same, yes. But Chilwell looks so much better than Cucurella, guys. Mm -hmm. Even last season, didn't Chilwell and Reese James both get injured and their season just literally collapsed from there? But the three at the back is definitely something. I think now it's becoming embedded into Chelsea. Like, this is their system. This is their formation. And they should just stick with it. And they seem to be linked with even more centre-backs. I think Guavador, um, the Leipzig centre-backs, linked with them again. So you never know. Maybe this is the way forward. Badiashile obviously can't play in the Champions League. Let's see what they do in the Premier League now with that formation. But Kovacic today... I thought he was really, really good, especially oh, when Kovacic Enzo is, is so good. He's so good. Yeah, especially when Enzo wasn't, you know, at his best. It's not. Really, he's still getting used to even playing this for, um, position. Kovacic, some of the things that he's doing, the way he's able to carry the ball, ride challenges, oh, just such a top, top player. And if he's on the move, and they're saying he's going to Man City, yo, they lose Gundogan and get a Kovacic, yeah, scary hours. Oh yeah, that would be horrendous. I mean, Kovacic is one of the best, strongest ball carriers around i mean so so many injuries so but every time he's fit he lights up any pitch he's won and against anyone he's a fighter yeah. he's a warrior one of my favorite players i hate saying it because he plays for 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 <laughs> chelsea but mm -hmm. he's so good he's got it everything and like mo said about enzo that he doesn't like playing in a three really mm -hmm. or definitely not as a one as a pivot he's fantastic and, you know, of course, Kante to come back again, another pivot player, but obviously equally as brilliant as an eight as well, but most definitely a pivot. This for sure is their formation to go to. Um, and this is why probably, guys, Pulisic and Mudrik ain't getting a look in too much because they are out and out mm -hmm. wingers. This formation doesn't really require wingers. Do you see that, Ohms? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's it's a fluid front three where they all it's sort of trying to front three. they're trying to connect with each other, trying to play little one twos, and it's nice to watch. And they sort of complement each other well because you've got Sterling who's always trying to trying to break that offside trap. You've got sort of Felix and the habit sort of interlinking like in a, in a sort of half space area. Um, shout out no half spaces. Um, and it and it sort of there were probably two, three, four times today where. Um, Sterling was this close to beating the offside trap, and like, if the if their mm. timing and their sort of connection just improves and their chemistry gets better, they're gonna start making those passes and start being offside traps, and that's when the goals will start to come. Because look, uh, I think I think this game will do 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 Sterling and Havertz the world of good just because they scored. Because God knows the last time they they both scored. So look, um. If Chelsea, I don't know who they're playing at the weekend, but if they can... I believe it's Fulham away. No, no. Is it Fulham away? That's Arsenal. I think we're playing Arsenal Fulham. Playing they're Fulham. playing Leicester away. I beg your pardon. Leicester away. Yeah, so it should be a... Winnable game. Be an open mm -hmm. game as well. That's the thing. So, um, yeah, I, I just think you've got to keep them three together. Uh, you know how much I love Madrid, but um, look, his time will come. His Ballon d'Or, all of that will come. <laughs> uh, no, our very own Newbeats is in the building. He says, half space, shout out, yeah, Ohms. Yeah, people, 
get ready for we've got a new show on Football Carnage, Half Spaces with No Beats, Football Analysis. We're taking you places you've never been before. I'm telling you. Serious analysis. None of this me, Omar and Bilal. Just, what do you call it? Tactico. Yeah. 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 Deep, deep tactical. No, we're doing the real deep tactical. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, look, comfortable. It was. I thought it was going to be one of those nights, Bilal. Chances galore. I thought the confidence is just seeping away. Every chance they miss, you think to yourself, mm. shit, the confidence, the confidence. Even Sterling, in the first few minutes, did you see guys, he, he was offside eventually, yeah. but he didn't know that. No one else knew that. He just didn't know what to do with the ball. It was mm. hard enough for someone to just chip it. I don't think he believed in his technique. To, 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 he didn't have the confidence in his technique. I agree with Mo. I'm not his biggest fan. I think he's got elite movement. I think he's got elite strength. Yeah. I don't think anything else of his is elite. And I've I never. His intelligence. Intelligence. The, the, yeah, the finishing is the thing that always lets him down. And that's why, listen, the cutbacks at Man City were cash money because he didn't cash have money. Cash Bilal money. The passing. Bilal the passing. He has mm. no passing ability whatsoever. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. it's so yeah. awkward when he tries to pass the ball. It's so awkward. And I'm not just, to be honest, this Sterling is the best fit in Pep's system. Far post runs, cutbacks, but playing football on the ground, keep passing the ball. And I don't see it, to be honest. Like, today, Grizz just said well, even, well, even the goal, even the goal. Brilliant work from Kovacic. Ball fortunately comes to... Like the, the tackle him after, but it took about three, four months to stop Modric, um, Kovacic. Ball falls to Chilwell, drives down the wing. I thought brilliant, intelligent cutback. Mm-hmm. Sterling air kicks <laughs> the first chance, which was the that, that shows the technique. But the second one, he turns it back in, and you could see the frustration and anger in that venom that shot. But what did I tell you about guys that can't strike the ball cleanly when they think they wait for the ball to bounce and then they kick it? Yeah. He said he's Matic. Did you remember that? That's how Sterling kicked the ball hard and smashed it into the corner. But you could see the relief on the team. But the, and the dribble fans. was lucky as well, Grizz, right? You know, the dribble hit twice, hit Ruiz, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. and then it hit Sterling twice to fall to his. I'm sorry, this is. Oh, the Danny Welbeck type goal, that one. That is a. Well, one thing Danny I will say about Sterling is, Grizz, if, if you look at his transition from Liverpool to Man City, Mm. At Liverpool, he was arguably someone that didn't get into sort of back post areas enough. He was someone that would actually his dribbling, his sort of his creativity was sort of what the thing that stood out. I think Pep, when you work under Pep, you look at someone like Pedro, you look at you look at Sterling, even Mares, guys are they're they're sort of tuned to become back post merchants, guys on the cutbacks, which which works for that system. So I think with Sterling, again, it's trying to get out of that City system and then trying to play now in a different way individually and in 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 a new team. So mm-hmm. I think, look, he, this guy has never been able to strike a ball cleanly. I think I've seen him strike a cut, two balls cleanly, one against Norwich and one against Southampton for City. Other than that... Yeah, I, think I mean, been... there's always... Look, there's always instances where people always throw, oh, look at this then. You know, all right, you can catch a ball cleanly, man. He's a professional footballer, international world class. Of course, he's going to strike. But overall, you can see he doesn't strike the ball cleanly. He's got a yeah. brilliant in-step finish when he get when he's a confident, right? Mm-hmm. And as I said, dribbling-wise, yes, he's got close control. He's very strong for his size. Not many people can knock Sterling off the ball. doesn't matter how big you are. 
and his movement is elite. And he did learn that Ohms is right. He, that, that elite movement came at City. But you need to have the combinations around him. You know, he's not a killer. You don't need that. You don't need that. You don't. You don't. If you play, I'm sorry, Grizz, but that's what you get when you play for Pep Guardiola. This guy is the second highest English scorer in the Champions League playing for Pep Guardiola. You don't need all of this. When you play for Pep Guardiola and you follow the instructions, you'll get yeah. goals and you will look absolutely fantastic and you will be written in the history as one of the best players one of the best English players ever to play in the Champions League. Numbers don't lie. 10 years, 20 years from now, we're going to look at numbers, right? And we're going to see Sterling right behind Rooney. We're not going to remember his technique. We're not going to remember yeah. anything. And that's what Pep Guardiola gives you. I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> no, you're I'm wrong. I'm I'm Michael, Michael we're going to we're gonna get into the Tottenham chat, Michael, in just a few minutes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, the first goal relief, 1-0 at halftime, they deserved it. Over the As I said to you guys, I knew they're going to walk this second leg. Everyone was like, no, Dortmund might have something for them. Dortmund ain't that team, especially with the injuries. Okay, no problem. <laughs> Julian Brandt goes off very earlier on. Of course, Adiemi's not there. Mikio, Mikioko's not, Mikoko's not there. Mikoko, yeah. yeah, so, all right, there's a three players there that are not missing. Cobble, the goalkeeper. But the second goal, the penalty, you know... Okay, yeah, so know, come to that now. So, look, second half starts, yeah. the most awful worst start for Dortmund. Was it a penalty? Misses the penalty? Was it encroachment? Overall, very harsh situation for Dortmund. Overall. Yeah. You know when they showed the replay? I I don't know what it was because it was live. I was just staring at the goalkeeper. So I never actually looked at the Dortmund players, whether they were in the box or not. So I don't know if one of you guys can tell me. So what happened? Was anyone in the box there? To actually... So what happened? Well, give the, well, was it a penalty in the first place, guys? Why are we jumping the gun? Was it a penalty? It's one of those that aren't going to get overturned on VAR either way. Yeah. But how many of those have we seen in the Hold Premier on, League? He didn't give it back, man. Hold on, you Omer, got... you're missing it. He didn't give it and it got overturned. Oh, it got overturned? Yeah. It's the other way around. He well, didn't. He it saw did. it right in front yeah, of his yeah, yeah. eyes mm -hmm. and waved it away. And then VAR told him to go look at it. He was so he has to give it overturned. Then. He has to give he it. As soon as no, he, he doesn't have to give it. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't the replay is literally the ball hitting the hand over and over. He's going to watch but that. How many As a referee, times, how many times have we seen in the Premier League these decisions not being given? Because we're told that, you know, handballs are so tightly refereed yeah. and officiated now. How many have we seen in the it's last... Europe. And the distance. Europe, the distance is, is, is... The distance! The distance. Is Joel like one, drills one, the ball at him. Yes. For me, it's harsh. For me, it's harsh. He turns around and he goes like that. Now, are we asking every fullback and every defender to defend like this? Because yes. if that's the rule, then that's fine. Implement it on everyone. Otherwise, there is no way you can jump without having your arms like that. So the rules have to be, I think, for everyone. All defenders, all fullbacks have to defend with their arms behind their back. So, yeah, for me... That's bollocks, though, isn't it? it, it yeah. There's no way that... Is that is obvious enough to overturn the decision, in my opinion, because he's so close to him. And like you said, like they're gonna look like they're being arrested if they have to defend with their sort of hands behind their back. So, nah, nah that's a harsh one. I, I've, I, okay, it's a I harsh one. Alex says this referee. guy's ref is known as the worst it, refs in yeah. Dutch football. It's, I, I have to, um, um, listen, it's harsh, but by the law. It's supposed to be a penalty okay. because the distance, because this is the distance, Chris, is subjective to their opinion. 
So yeah. it is what it is. But his arm yeah. was raised, prevented the ball from going. It was away from his body, made his body un unnaturally bigger. Now comes, do they think he had the chance to put his arm away? They thought no. So to be fair to Chelsea, this is a penalty in the law because they thought he was far enough that he couldn't put his arm away. It's as simple as that. Yeah. I honestly think in the Premier League that could get given as well that penalty. I, I, don't, I, think think they given, I don't think it gets. I don't, I don't think, think it gets given. Does. I think it's more likely to get given in Europe. No, no, hundred percent in Europe. But I'm telling you, if you're a human being, right, and they go to tell you go watch this incident that's happened over and over again, you see the ball literally smacking his hand time after time after that's time. The that's the referee. There's a problem with VAR. It should be maybe even be one look. Maybe it shouldn't be. Hey, they slow it down looks, though. It, no yeah, matter what instance, whether it's a bad tackle, whether it's a handball. Mm -hmm. Slow mo always looks so much worse than sort of full belt. If they play that, well, he full belt, looked at. I, I noticed this referee did try to take his time, looked at five, six replays, including one from the side to see how much distance there was, and yes. he still fucking gave it. He, he he thought the distance is enough for the player to put the hand away. So, yeah. and I don't like this referee, and and I've said that enough. He thinks he's he knows more okay. than anybody. But okay, anyway, check this out. What it okay, is. check this out. Check this, Callum. Yeah, right, Grizz. Guess they had a problem with Liverpool. Uh, Grizz had a problem with Liverpool's penalty in the UCL final. I didn't think it was a penalty. It wasn't. Nobody it wasn't a penalty. It was a penalty. Yeah, no, it, it wasn't, wasn't a penalty. We got lucky. We got lucky with that penalty. <laughs> yeah. Callum, if you haven't been following me, I tried to speak how it is. Doesn't matter if it's Liverpool or whatever. I tried to keep it as as neutral as I possibly can. And sometimes you're not going to agree with my opinion, but first listen to my opinion before calling it out. <laughs> I don't think that was a penalty in the Champions League final. I know that, but that was. Four years ago, three, four years ago, like the rules are changing every six months. Never mind four years, brother. <laughs> oh my god, you remember thing was Ams, Ams, I've been watching your comments. You're just non stop being a dickhead in the comments. I'm gonna kick you out in a minute because there's no facts. So, shut the problem your mouth. Is, the problem and stop I... trying shit in the comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ams, come on, man, sort it out. No, I mean, um, the problem I have, thank you, with, Cam. Um, the problem I have with a handball and whatever is why can't at the start of every season we just have a super clear threshold when it comes to handball? Because, mm. like, why does it have to be subjective? Like, I it has to be. There's no such thing. It's either the only the only fact the only fact that they can work on is if it hits the hand, penalty. It's a penalty. Otherwise, it has to be subjective. Yeah, I I think, yeah, and they can't do that, that Grizz. Grizz, they, they can't, can't do, do that. that. They cannot. They cannot just say if it's the hands the penalty. It has to be subjected to the distance, to the speed of the ball, no, yeah, where your hand. Sense. Like you can't just common have, sense. Like, We're relying on common sense, and sometimes yes. these referees. But, but look, it was a penalty. They penalty. Uh, Havertz misses the first penalty. I thought, oh my god, he must feel like just swallow the ground, just open up, and just let me just go under. Um, but he gets a reprieve. I think it was a mad reprieve. Okay, before the Chelsea fans start with the... All right. Chelsea were the better team over the two legs. Chelsea deserved to go through. I said it last week and I've said it this week. Chelsea deserved to go through today as well. Dortmund were a shambles. But that decision overall, I thought was very harsh. The penalty and then the overturning of the missed penalty. Nah, not for me. The law is the yeah. law, Grace. Grace, the law is the law. The guy that cleared the ball was inside the arc when the, before the ball was hit. 
that's the problem. The whole world is watching. The referee cannot not re retake, uh, repeat the penalty. He cannot not do it. Do it. The law is clear. You step inside and you get involved. Mm -hmm. It has to be retaken. Okay, that's fair. There was no okay, argument. that's fair. So that so that means there is no subjectivity, right? That means no. the law is quite clear and simple. Then it should be implemented, and every penalty should be looked at. Then, because I guarantee you, every penalty up and down the leagues will have encroachment. Yeah, yeah. I guarantee but you have you. to get involved, Chris. The law says if the if if it hits the post and it goes out, uh -huh. it, it doesn't have to be retaken. But right. because the player was inside and the one that cleared it of the rebound, it has to be uh -huh. retaken. Does that make sense? Could that make sense? I've, I've just looked at the like... picture now as well. So then I'm yeah. wrong. The it should have been the, the, the common sense. No shame like... of being wrong. I'm like I just no, I no, went no, and I, read I'm the wrong. law. I think I'm wrong. Then if that's the I case, went I and I read the law, Grizz. I didn't realize that no, the guy no, no, that was by, accused by of encroachment cleared it. Yep. By the letter of the law, yeah, Mo, Mo, you're you're bang on, but also. Like Chelsea players have encroached. And, and I know he, I know but he's cleared not involved, it. But... Exactly. <laughs> I know he's cleared it, but also say there was a situation where he knows he's encroached and he's dummied it. What happens there? Like, is the clearance that much of a sort of the loss? That's the thing about it. The... Because the first one that actually went inside the area is actually Shilwell. Yeah. Before the ball is taken. But Shilwell and Zula, both of them were on the left and they weren't involved. The, again, the, again, if he doesn't touch the ball, it's subjective. Did he get involved or not? But because he's the one who just cleared it, it's clear. The law is clear. You know what I mean? Like about this, like the, the, like the arm above the shoulder, it's clear. Mm -hmm. Below the shoulder, it's subjective to the distance, blah, 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 all this stuff. But okay. the, there, is no, there is no opinion here. The guy that went inside the arc, is the one that cleared it. It has to be retaken. So it's as simple as that. Fair, fair, fair enough. enough. Fair enough. Yeah. If that makes sense, then in that case, thank you, Omar, for, for, for clearing that up. Right. Basically, what it meant was game over, tie over, in my opinion. Yeah. Two new up. He made the right subs, I thought. Closed it up. Made it difficult for Dortmund. So you thought. But Dortmund was the... That was the only time Dortmund had a little bit of a spell. It coincided with Jude's miss. A couple of situations in the box, but nothing really. Surely, Bilal, yeah. it was over by then. Even you didn't yeah. believe in Dortmund then. After Jude misses that chance, you're like, yeah, today it's just finished for them. It's not going to happen. It's not their mm. day. And you can see in the players as well, it didn't feel like they believed at any moment they were really going to score. Even towards the end when Marlon had the ball dropped to him, he's come off the bench. Maybe I know maybe it's hard to turn, I don't know. But he, he just you know shirks the responsibility, passes it to Wolf and Fafana, um, does a great block towards the end and then that's mm. that's it that's the game done for me Dortmund they were just toothless don't really expect to be honest right this is Dortmund don't really expect too much from them especially when they get injuries when they get when they have their full team there yes maybe there was a chance especially in Adiemi today I could imagine him maybe causing some sort of damage mm. Julian Brandt etc but when they start losing just a few players it's just yeah it's going to fall apart it's going to be very difficult for them to play against a Chelsea side who needed a win Right, and the Chelsea side who were willing to do anything to get a win, and even someone like Graham Potter bringing on the likes of Conor Gallagher, Zachariah towards the end. This guy just wanted to win no matter what. And the Chelsea fans at home, it's not going to be easy. So, tough day for Dortmund, but still, they're in a title race with Bayern Munich. How long would that last? Who knows? Mm -hmm. we don't, Might we help them, to be honest. Might help them. They, they haven't got the squad to, to compete on all fronts. No yeah, chance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Exactly. But have so they got? But have they got the talk? Have they got the 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 minerals and the talent to yeah. finally overturn Bayern Munich without Jurgen Klopp? Only time will tell, yeah. I guess. And do yeah, PSG have the bottle and minerals to overturn Bayern Munich tomorrow? Well, I guess this is a segue into PSG Bayern Munich tomorrow. Uh, massive, huge clash. Massive, huge clash. Uh, Bayern Munich, I thought, were fantastic in the in the first game. Overall, of course, apart from the end when Mbappos, Mbappos came on. Uh, he's going to start tomorrow, by all accounts. Messi's back. Neymar isn't. Will that help them in any way, shape or form, if you know what I mean? I'll come to Omar first. In terms of it will help them stiffen up the midfield, do they really need three guys who don't track? Because that just literally leaves seven yeah. guys who have to do all the work for them. Yeah, I'm seeing people say it helps the balance of PSG. Only time will tell to see how useful it is having that sort of three-man midfield. Look, they've got enough creativity in Messi himself. But then if you have sort of Mendes and Hakimi with the licence to bomb on, with that sort of three-man block in midfield at times, I think that can be a sort of um, area where they can they can really profit, um, and I think look, I I just I just feel like PSG come through this just cause of the problems Mbappe Mbappe caused them in fifteen twenty minutes. Um, I don't mind Bayern as a team, but they, they 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 don't feel me like you've got Musiala there, of course, Coleman uh, and and Davies could be threats down the wings, but. I just feel like the spaces will be there for the likes of Mbappe, Hakimi, Mendes to sort of play off Messi, Verratti, Ruiz at times. Mm. Uh, Mo, what's your um, opinions on tomorrow? I, know, I, I would pick Bayern Munich uh, tomorrow, playing at home. Comfortably? Arena. Not comfortably. Of course, you can't say comfortably when you have Messi and Mbappe in front of you, the likes of Verratti. You can't say that. However, I would pick Bayern Munich just because Goritska, Kimmich in the middle, Delik now is somehow the guy is coming to good form. Adrian Obamecano, I would pick them to be honest uh, tomorrow. I know Mbappe, but however, if you have Mbappe, he can make all the difference in the world. It's like mm. Messi five years mm. ago. He can just drive a team by himself, even if the rest of the team is not playing football. He could just take the ball and make something out of nothing. But if on the pitch, I would pick Bayern Munich because. They have 1-0 ahead of uh, uh, Paris Saint-Germain in Paris. That will give them the edge. And also they are playing uh, in front of their fans. And the fans in the Allianz are amazing, to be mm. honest. They're so loud. So, so loud. Mm. Bilal, are you going yeah. to go with, the, go with the, the hipster's take or are you going to go with the solid, professional outfit that is Bayern Munich? And you think they're yeah. going to come through it? Yeah, for me, I'm with Mo, man. I think Bayern, at the beginning of the season, we always talk, oh, who can go to the final? Yeah, PSG, they can, they've got Mbappe, Messi and all of this. But really and truly, I don't trust their defence. I don't trust mm. their goalkeeper. I don't trust their midfield. I think they've only kept that one clean sheet in, in I don't know, maybe I don't know, maybe five, six, seven games. Who even knows? I think it was Marseille, the 3-0, but they conceded mm. two the other, the other night to Nantes. They conceded free to Lille. They got battered by Monaco. This is a team for me, to be honest, at this point, I can't trust PSG to do anything. And I can't trust this team to rise on this occasion. Yeah, Mbappe and Messi can rise. Yeah, 100%. They can do their thing. 
but I don't trust the rest of them. And this is a team game at the end of the day. And Bayern Munich, for me, not only you look at their lineup here, yes, you might not think it's amazing, true promoting, but listen, true promoting is effective. Musiala, Muller, you look at their bench with the likes of Gnabry, the Sarnes, etc. It's a they've got players to bring on and off the bench. Cancelo, look at the pace in the look point. at the pace in the fullback areas. Coleman and Davis, wing back, I should say, pretty much wingers, I should say, because they the way he plays is just mm. you know they're not asked to really defend and around the penalty box. Yeah, see, this is the thing that this, now Nagelsmann is so versatile; he can adapt so so much. And mm. I feel like Gautier with PSG, I don't really see this level of adaptation. I don't really see in-game management to the same level as Nagelsmann as well. So I think the coaches as well mm. are levels apart, right? And I think it's just too much of a task for PSG to overturn Bayern, man, at the Allianz. But of course, if Messi and Mbappe somehow really blow this game, you know, to another level, that that can happen. But despite that, honestly, I just I can't see them beating Bayern. But when you have Bilal, but when you have the best player in the world, anything can happen. Like I wouldn't be sitting here and putting my money on Bayern Munich to go through because they have the best player in the world, uh, PSG, which is Mbappe. And we saw when he came on the first game. They've got the they've got the best player in the world right now, and they've got the best player ever. And that's quite a combination. Holmes, where you um, where you thinking this game will be won and lost? Then I think if you're, we all know Messi and Mbappe aren't really going to track back. Which fine if you add Neymar to that. Damn, that's going to cause you problems against the likes of Bayern Munich. But if you are going to have, for me, the two best players in the world be individuals in the team, that is how you set up three and five behind that. Obviously, you're going to have Mendes and Hakimi. But I feel like having that that three in midfield just makes it, gives them the license to do their thing a bit more. Now, I completely hear your takes. Bayern Munich, I think there was a comment earlier. Bayern Munich absolutely killed PSG until Mbappe came on mm-hmm. and they could do it again but then well then they shut themselves kind of yeah and then also I just maybe maybe I've been inspired by Graham Souness a bit you just have that feeling sometimes where where um I just feel like Mbappe especially could just really turn it on because this guy is oh he's frightening man and he, he you know he's hurting from that first game so I want to say it's Instead of it being more rational thought, it's more mm. of a feeling. But I do feel like PSG are coming to, to Munich with a point to prove. There is I a think. factor, Grace, that is, is Sadio Mane is back and he played this weekend. That I think mm-hmm. that makes a difference as well. He's going to be on the bench and I think Sadio Mane adds a lot to this team, to be honest. Yes, he's come back from injury, but Sadio Mane is Sadio Mane. Mbappe as well has come back from injury. So... I think Sadio Mane adds a lot to this team as well. And he's going to be on the bench. And you see that midfield three of PSG, right? We know we're talking about three in midfield. Mm-hmm. They're not dogs. They're just not dogs. They they can get run over. I've seen them get run over time and time again. Ruiz, Vitinha, Verratti here and there can do something and win the ball. But apart from him, I don't trust that midfield three. To be honest, right, for me, I'm... I'm I'll say I was going to say 70-30. Maybe I'm feeling in favour of Bayern. The more I talk about it, I'm feeling 75 25 to buy wow. heavy favorites man do you, do you not game, look at man. that do you not look at that midfield battle and feel like the PSG team will be able to control the game a bit more than they did in the first uh, that's exactly what I thought I think Bilal I'm opposite of Bilal I, I I'm not siding with Omar in terms of I don't think 
yeah, I don't know what yeah, Bilal was saying that yeah, he understands, you know, he can see PSG causing them damage. I agree with that. But the midfield shout, I think is I think the, the, the absence of Neymar kind of plays into Gaultier's hand with that midfield. Like Vitinha is a bloody hard worker. Verratti and uh, and uh, the Napoli guy. Ruiz. Ruiz. Yeah. Verratti probably going to give, be given the further to get to get further and create for the two. And of course, the the width is going to be crucial. Hakimi has been not the same player since the World Cup. He needs a massive game. Bruno uh, Bruno Mendes for me is one of the best left backs, wing backs though, in European football. They both need to have their A game. Not only are they up against Davis and Coleman. But they've got a neutral. Not only have they got to neutralize them too, but impose themselves on the game as well. I'm not ready to call this tomorrow, you know, guys. I think, I think it's very, very close to call. So very I think, close to call. I think the PSG midfield has the slight edge on. We we all know how good of a duo Goretzka and Kimmich have mm. been and are playing, but I feel like the PSG midfield might give their wing backs more of a platform. Than the than the than the Bayern Munich midfield give their wing backs a platform if that makes a sense. So like the key battle I think is in the midfield, which enables the wing backs to then do their thing. At the end of the day, I think the game is going to be like one from how many chances the wing backs can be, uh, how many chances the wing backs can create. But it will only be one like that, uh, depending on which team can assert itself more in the midfield. Fair if enough. PSG, if PSG can find a way to stop Kimmich and Goretzka controlling the game, and then Musiala being able to just turn, we haven't even match, mentioned Musiala yet. Like, for me, I would be shocked if they can actually stop Bayern I, tomorrow. So I actually listen, agree with Omer. The game was going to be is going to be one out wide. Davis, Coman, like the first leg was played out wide. It wasn't played in the midfield at all. Yeah. This game is going to be really compact in the middle, and it's going to be out wide. Davis, Coman, Musiala, Hakimi. Even Danilo Pereira covering that left side, which is I don't trust being a left centre back. So I think the game would be played out wide. It's not going to be in the midfield. This midfield Pixelate, like Pixelate Pigeon says Brian have more ability to affect the game with changes, tactics, yeah. probably much more than more important than PSG get their setup right. Mm-hmm. I agree with it's this. Yeah. Um, let's get uh, let's put our next on the line then, and actually instead of waffling around around it, pick one, Bilal. One word answer. I don't want a context. Bayern win. Omar PSG. Mo. Very hard to call, but I'm leaning to Bayern. Munich, but very, I'm not going to be surprised if PSG win it. Tomorrow. No, that's sitting on the fence. One name. Ah, oh, Bayern. <laughs> Bayern. That's what we. He like wants me to put my money on. Yes. On the team. Two Bayern. One PSG. Okay. I'm going with Bayern. <laughs> <laughs> no context. I want to give context I'm, as well. I'm not here tomorrow, but yeah. if PSG do win, I'm going to be in the comment section. We'll see, you. we'll see you there if they win. We'll see you there. The other game tomorrow, I think, will be as equally as tight. The the other English team left in the competition, the other team who had a very similar job to do today, like Chelsea, uh, one nil down, just like yeah. Chelsea were one nil down, I believe. Chelsea were one nil down, weren't they? Yeah, the one nil down. Yeah, of course they were. Yeah, again, another team like Chelsea, not in form. Again, just like Chelsea's opponents, another overrated team. And I've guys been saying it. 
you guys have been bigging up. Well, some people big up Milan and this and that. Overrated. Serie A and Bundesliga is not a patch on the Premier League. Um, tomorrow, I think, I think Spurs can overturn this. Uh, we'll go to you, Mo, first. Italian expert. I know, 100%. I know you want Spurs to turn them over, but what do you see? Actually, I don't. Actually, oh. I want Milan to win. Oh, because Go you want them man. to continue Italian football being distracted, and then no, Syria. I actually because I believe. Okay, so I'm with Italian teams until they reach the final because I don't think Milan will win the final. I get at you. All. That's what I meant. You know what That's I mean. What I meant. Like I don't think Milan will will no. I, I just want Italian football to do better because it it brings more money and more awareness about the league. I get you. And also, I don't care about Spurs to be honest. And to the mud they go, I don't care about them at all. And also, Antonio Conte left Inter, and I wanted him to do well at Spurs in the in the Premier League, but I don't want him to do well in the Europe and stuff like this. But to, tomorrow, Milan are not a great team. Neither are Spurs, to be honest. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. gonna be a. I, I was. I'm expecting a, a, a terrible quality tomorrow from both teams in terms of football quality. However, it's gonna be close. I can't pick a winner, but because Spurs are only one nil down, I think Spurs can overcome this and win like three one or two nil or something. Milan are not great. They just uh, lost in the weekend against Fiorentina, and they have been dominated for the whole game against Fiorentina. So. I would pick Spurs, to be honest, to go through. Um, just got to go super chat. I missed out on. Sorry. Sean says, Chris, should I stop cooking Saeed on every stream he does or keep it going a little bit more? <laughs> Sean, I'd say... Seven days. I would say I'd seven say, days. You keep it seven days. Yeah, my my motto has been that I'm going to keep cooking Man United fans left, right, center for seven days, but each to their own. Uh, Sean, I know you're a, you're a great supporter of the channel as well, so big up yourself every time, my man. Um, going back to that game, Bilal, I, I just see mid everywhere. <laughs> I, I honestly do. I know you guys want to speak on Liao, no problem. Mm. Yeah, Hernandez, Theo Hernandez, mm. yeah, mm. very good. Uh, already we know about Kane, supreme striker. <laughs> Apart from the three players that I've mentioned, okay, Melik Thao. Centre-back for AC Milan. Up-and-coming, very highly rated centre-back. Mm -hmm. I'm not having anything else on that. To be honest, to be honest, right, I can see, maybe shock you guys, I don't know, I can see Milan winning this game and I oh, can see them shit. keeping out the front three of Tottenham. I think with the, the goalkeeper now, Mac Mignon, in there, I think that back three now, no Simon Kea, there's no Calabria, none of this nonsense happening anymore. Their back three is looking good. And also the way Pioli's got them playing is interesting. Right? The way mm -hmm. he's switching up the rotations when they go and attack. Messias has been a good player in there as well. Brahim Diaz. Liao as well. He's got the freedom now. So hopefully, let's see. Let's see he's do due a, good, a performance on the big stage. The Premier exactly. League's going to be looking. He's coming to the UK. Mm -hmm. If he's he this bad boy that everyone... Mm -hmm is saying and he wants this big move to the Premier League and he's not signing Milan's contract. Mo, is there any been news or progress on that contract? Not yet, not yet. He's coming up, up against Romero. It's going to make a mockery of Romero, I'm expecting, tomorrow. There one on go. one. <laughs> That's what I'm expecting on the Milan. transition. What yeah, I expect, Li I expect Liao to cause damage. I expect Tia Hernandez 
to cause damage. He's been going more inside when they're attacking. He looks really dangerous. Tonali's a player I, I really, really rate highly. I know some people have... He's even been criticised a lot. I've seen from Milan mm. fans as well this season. Yeah, he's not but he's a great. player. He is a player I rate highly. I believe in his ability. I, I just fancy them. And to be honest, right, with Tottenham right now, it's hard to back them. This is a team that lost 1-0 to a Sheffield United reserve team. Right in the FA Cup, when they had to win, when they had to rise, when they had to, you know, have a chance of winning a trophy this season, they still couldn't do it. And really and truly, if we're being respectful as much as we can, I'm pretty sure if you're not a Tottenham fan, everyone wants to see Milan go through. Like, you know, that's proper heritage. You know, we want to see those kind of teams go through more than Tottenham, who, to be honest, they're not going to offer us much if they get past this stage. Maybe Milan as well won't, but at least there's something there. There's more of a, there's more something to talk about. But on the football side of it, I really can see them winning this game. I think Pioli can get get it tactically right, and Tottenham, if they can, if Milan can just keep Harry Kane quiet, I, it's gonna it could be a successful day in my opinion. Holmes, he's, yeah, um, he's talked up Milan. I, I find it very difficult to talk up any of these teams. These are both of these teams are one of those ones where the next round all the big boys would be wanting to face. Yeah, I think um, with this, even the lineups, man, you've just got two teams that are going to cancel each other out in terms of being mid, like you said. Um, it's going to be a cagey game, I think. Hmm. So I don't think any of these teams, whoever has more of the ball, which I think Spurs will, Spurs can't really break down teams, Milan. They were smart. They would play on the counter-attack and sort of try and exploit uh, Liao's place. Sort of play that's, off. that's the only quick player. I mean, Brahim Diaz is, okay, nippy. If they, if they look to play off Giroud and sort of use Giroud's link-up skills, I can see them sort of getting some sort of success through Liao. Salamikas is fast. Hernandez is quick. But will they be able to? Yeah. Will they be able to to affect the game going forward enough? That's where the pace will come from. But Spurs play a very similar system. It's kind of cancelling each other out. This is why I think it's going to be like the first game. Do you remember we done the build up and we said it's going to be anybody who's watching the game tomorrow? Don't bother watching that game. Watch another game because that's going to be the deadest game. And it was an awful game. The first game. The 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 thing is. The reason I give Milan the slight advantage, and I know Spurs are playing at home, is Milan have the goal. Spurs are going to have to force the play. And I think Spurs, when they get into positions where they have to create and force the game, if Milan keep it tight, Spurs, I don't think, have the capacity, unless Kane sort of produces some sort of magic, to... I see, so we don't really have the capacity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It does not. Dropping deep and then all of a sudden it's all in the box. Like, I, I don't know. I, I agree with you, Oms. I, I I don't see goals in this. I don't see creativity in this. I just see a lot of sideways passing, waiting for yeah. a mistake. Both coaches play like that as well. It's a proper Italian manager, Conte, getting his team set up like that. Even though they're 1-0 down, they have to push the game at some point. And that they need to knock both out. Say again? We need to knock both out, knock both teams I, out. That's what I said. I think both teams will, uh, any team that's got aspirations of winning it will want to face one of these two in this next round. 100%. Other than Man City. Other than Man City. They don't want to face Tottenham. Spurs. They really don't want to face Spurs. It's not, they would like be the unluckiest team if they face Spurs. 
what are we saying then? Let's let's try to to envisage how this game's gonna go, Billa. Milan win. Wow, you're saying it from us. Yeah. If not, listen, you... it could be a draw. I just don't see Tottenham winning. To be honest, I, think, I just don't see how they win this game. I think the game is gonna end a draw. Either this got one, this got the real this real got the paintings, isn't it? Uh, 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 I think I think this has got the makings of a penalty shootout. Yeah, because away goals don't count. Yeah, but then it's the history of the Tottenham. Can they can they hold their nerve in in the penalty shootout? No, no. So we know who wins then. If it goes yeah, to penalties. but the game's going to be one nil. But the game's going to be one nil to Spurs. That's what I'm saying. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, yeah, one nil, one one maybe. I just think. Yeah, I want to say Milan. I want to say Milan. So Bilal and and Holmes are saying Milan. I oh, know Spurs to go through. Okay, I can't just say <laughs> that's fair enough. Yeah, Spurs <laughs> to go through. He's been smart and clever. He said Spurs to go through. So ultimately, it's all about who goes through, not who wins the game tomorrow. If you know what I mean, who's going to go through? You're saying Milan. You're saying Milan. Mo's saying Spurs. I'm saying Spurs as well. We'll find out tomorrow, people. Of course, tomorrow we'll have Eurostars back. The full panel, God willing, should be here. We will have many games to get through. We'll look back at today's games. We'll get the other guys' opinions on them. We'll look at who's qualified, who's the possible opponents for the next letter round. But yeah, today was Chelsea's day, I guess. Potter deserves to get another, I don't know how long, until he, until he next not wins a couple of games, I guess. Uh, but people... Like the stream on your way out if you haven't. Subscribe if you haven't. This has been post-match Champions League Carnage. We see you tomorrow for Eurostars. Be there or be square. 10 p.m., right? Yeah, 10 p.m. After the games. Straight after the games. Take care. Ciao, ciao. Podcast Network.